0: All right, good morning, church. My name is Jared Green. I'm an associate pastor here, filling in for Pastor Brett. It's a privilege to always come up here and uh, preach in the church that I was once a kid builder. Uh, Today, we're going to get right into the message. The title of the message is Business Trip, Business Trip. And so what does it look like to have a mind that is missional, focused on the mission, and really understanding who you are and what you're called to do, who you're called to be on this earth for God's great purpose. So there's a different mindset and conduct associated with business trips. Each trip has a specific mission with clear goals that must be accomplished before returning home. For many of you uh, who are in sales, maybe you're an engineer, maybe you've had to go uh, off-site to do staff training, maybe you're a CEO and you have different companies in different places, uh, whatever it is, maybe you just played in sports and, and, and you had to go uh, to, to different different cities and play different teams, if you played AAU, uh, if you have done any sort of uh, traveling so that you can fulfill whatever it is that your team or your business uh, has in place, then this this message will, will really apply. On business trips, one cannot afford to allow their social life to get in the way of their assignment. And so you hear many times when people are getting ready for a trip, they've got to wear the certain outfit They've got to make sure that they bring their briefcase. They've got to make sure that they have all their materials, all their tools, so that when they get there, they can do exactly what they need to do without any hindrance. They can keep their mind on what's most important. Well, for us as believers, we are here on this earth for one thing, and that is to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. All right. But there are so many people, problems, and distractions surrounding us with the potential of keeping us stagnant, deterring us from what God has called us to do. It's funny how business changes us. Why does it change us? Because there's money involved and we need money, right? So what I mean by that is when performance review time comes around, you're all of a sudden early to work. <laughs> when you think you deserve a raise, you are the nicest employee to your boss that he's ever, he or she has ever seen. Isn't it funny how you could be home about to discipline your child, maybe a little, uh, uh, but your phone rings and it's your boss. And you say, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) Like you weren't in the middle of that. You could be at a birthday party. You could be dancing on the dance floor when your boss calls you or a potential job calls you. And you can dance your way right into a quiet space and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm not doing anything right now. Just waiting to call just waiting for your call (laughs) business endeavors business needs change us why because it's something valuable how much more so should we change as believers in Christ Jesus because we are on a business trip we are aliens how many of you know that this area right here where we call what we call earth is not it and so we're just on a business trip therefore we need to act like it we need to have the right type of conduct we need to make sure that we are on time for our appointments. We need to make sure that we are, are missional about our assignments, all the things that God has put in place for us to do, so that we can fulfill His great work and live out our calling with fear and trembling. So, I remember when I was heading into training camp, when I first, uh, my first season in the NFL, my dad used to call me on the phone. He would say, Hey, it's business. It's business. Represent. Make sure that you make this team. I had grown up playing sports. I played in high school. I played in college. And so it's fun. You know, you're not getting paid. It's, it's a game. But then you get married and you have children. And now football is not the football that you thought it was. It's business. And so at that time in my life, my dad would say, hey, it's business. You got to make sure that you're eating right. You got to make sure you're sleeping. You got to take care of your body. No playing around with the guys. No going out with the guys because you got to make this team. Your family is depending on you. So I changed the way that I prepared for the job that I had to do. It was strictly business. Well, in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Paul takes that same stance with the church, saying that this is strictly business. I want to encourage you for what you've done, the progress that you've made, just like I had made progress in high school and college, sports. But now it's time to go to the next level. And so not only am I going to encourage you, but I'm also going to admonish you and, and I'm going to challenge you to, to do things differently. I'm going to make sure, I want you to make sure that your mind is on the prize. And as you work, you stay mindful of what God has called you to do. Paul, uh, Paul speaks to the church and he says, in the, midst, in the midst of this darkened culture, I want you to do four things. We'll turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. And it's in the Bible, so I'm not disrespecting you when I say this, but here are the four points today. Be quiet, mind your business, work and witness. Be quiet, mind your business, work and witness. Let's read the scripture, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and verse 12. Paul, speaking to the, the church in Thessalonica, he says, "Make it your ambition." To lead a quiet life, attend to your own business, and work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for giving us a great call on our lives. Every person in this room is called and anointed by God. If they have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have been called to preach this gospel. Whether it be from the pulpit or in their workplace or in their family or in their neighborhood, they are called to be the light of the world. Help us to be focused on the mission for us to keep it strictly kingdom business. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So here we are, Paul's second missionary journey. So uh, some of you may know Jesus after rising from the dead. Uh, uh, ascends, he ascends into heaven, but then descends the uh, the Holy Spirit into man. And he says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why do we need that power? So that we can be his witnesses. And so from there, we have the book of Acts, which is really the acts of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is acting through the disciples and you're seeing a great awakening happen on the earth. People are getting born again, miracles are happening, people are getting healed, people are getting baptized, the church is growing by the thousands. And then we find this man named Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, and he gets shaken up by the Holy Spirit, and God tells him to completely transform his entire life so that he can do all that he can to advance the kingdom of God. Immediately after Paul's calling, he goes out into the world. He goes into the field, and he shares the gospel, preaching, teaching. People are getting born again. It's a phenomenal experience. He comes back home after the first missionary journey, and and they pray, they gather, they talk, and then they go on their second missionary journey. Then their second missionary journey, this this is where it gets really, really exciting. I mean, all of Acts is exciting, but this is just my favorite part of the Bible because I believe that it's tangible for us today. I believe that we can see miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe that the government can be mad because we're, we're, we're messing up the healthcare system because people are getting healed everywhere. <laughs> I believe that. And so here Paul and Silas go into Philippi in Acts chapter uh, 16. And they go into Philippi, and they're sharing the gospel. He's teaching. People are getting saved, Jews and Gentiles. And then as he's walking To his next destination, he sees a demon-possessed slave girl. Now, this girl, her oppressor, was actually using the demon that was manipulating her for his gain because it was getting him money from the people that were interacting with her. Well, Paul cast that demon out of her. After he cast the demon out, the oppressor, the slave owner, says, hey, what's going on? You're messing up my money. So you know what? I'm going to take you to court. They end up taking Paul to court. Paul and Silas end up getting thrown into prison. But how many of you know when you are operating your purpose, when you're fulfilling your calling? No prison, no place, no person can shake you. No person can put you in a place and box you up because it's too much power. It's anointed by God. And so, as Paul is in the prison, he's praying. That's when you know the mission. Can't, you're so mission minded that you can't be taken left or right by the things that are going on around you. He's praying in the middle of a cell, in the midst of what you're going through today. Are you still praying? Are you still faithful? You still hoping God is going to come through? Because he is. Just keep on praying. As Paul and Silas are praying, there's an earthquake that happens. God busts the gates wide open. And now it's, Paul and Silas are free to go. But they stay in their cell. They don't move unless God says move. How many times have you seen a door crack open, but maybe God didn't say open it just yet? Is, are you willing to just stay right there? Are you willing to worship your way out of a situation? And so from there, Paul and Silas are praying, and the jailer pulls out his sword and says, I'm sure these brothers are gone. I'm about to kill myself right now, because I know it's going to be bad for me when, when, when the, the head guy comes back. And Paul goes, hey, 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 don't kill yourself. Hold on. Come over here. We're still in here. What are you doing in here? Hey, we're just praying. What's your name? They lead this brother to Jesus. Then they go back to his house, lead his whole house to Jesus, baptize everybody. It gets so crazy that the magistrate and the police, they come back and say, hey, hey, we need to get you out of this city. First off, we're scared because our prison is jacked up. It looked like a bomb hit it. So we don't need that happening anymore. Second off, you're Roman, so we're really in some trouble. Can you guys just leave? Paul says, sure. So they they start to walk. They start to walk, okay? A hundred miles later, Paul and Silas end up in Thessalonica. And here we are. Paul spends three sabbaths going to the synagogues and preaching and teaching and having conversation with the Jewish leaders of the community some of them get born again paul then as, after that goes into the community starts sharing the gospel with the gentiles and things are happening there too signs wonders well there's haters everywhere there's haters everywhere you know that you know it's okay in church we can acknowledge that there's haters it's the spirit The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sounds like a hater to me. (laughs) So during that time, the government gets affected because the Jewish leaders go in there and start an uproar. And they say, hey, hey, this guy, Paul, they they call him a man who who has turned the world upside down. That's the way that they phrase it. Is anybody around you say, man, that person turns the world upside down? That power of God that's in them, are they saying that about you? Are they saying that about me? I want that. I want that. Well, then they go to these judges and they say, hey, we've got to put these guys on trial. Well, they can't find Paul or Silas. So who do they grab? The host of the small group, this guy named Jason. So, so, so this is a true story. So this is why I like reading the Bible because this is way better than your Netflix little series that you are watching. <laughs> Because it's truthful. So so this guy, Jason, who's housing all of the people in this church that's starting to boom, they grab him and a couple others and bring them up on trial. Well, how many of you know after they find these guys, because they really didn't have a true case, they find them and then they do a little plea deal. Hey, you be quiet. Okay, yeah, we'll be quiet. And then go on about your life. Yeah, we'll do that. And then these guys go back into their city and continue to spread the gospel. Now After that, Paul and Silas have to leave because it's just too much commotion. And and also, they're following the mission. They're continuing to go and do what they do. Well, as Paul leaves, there's there's a longing in his heart to be with these people because his mission trip was interrupted. His business trip was interrupted. And so now he's writing with his heart and saying, I just want to encourage you all. Because during that time, whether it, was three, whether it was three weeks, three months, six months, a year, however long it was that Paul was there, people debate that. But however long it was, Paul worked with these people and labored and toiled with them on a consistent basis. He said, I didn't just give you the gospel through my mouth. I gave you the gospel through my actions. Remember when we labored and toiled with you all day, all night? I am your brother. And so it was a deep connection there. So as Paul's pinning this, he's pinning out of love. And he's encouraging them to say, man, I mean, how many of you, you know, when you send someone off to college or maybe, maybe when your friend goes and gets a job and you know that person hasn't been able to keep a job for a long time. And then they get there and then you're, you just send them a text, hey, I hope you're still doing well. Why? Because you care about them. How about that person that doesn't doesn't live in this area, but they're going to church, they got saved, and wherever they are, you're you're just hitting them up. Hey, just want to encourage you. Hope you're still going to church. Yeah, everything going well. Let me shoot you a scripture. Why? Because you care about them. You care about them because there's relationship there. That's how Paul, even more so, Paul is longing for this church to say, remember all the crazy stuff that we've been through? Remember Jason? We messed his whole house up. And so through that process, the people are being encouraged, and they're being affirmed. By Paul, who has started this church. Well then you have some other things going on around them, different spiritual ideals that were that are that are contrary to what Paul had preached. You've got people who are trying to still oppress them, so the government is still not happy. You've got those haters that I talked about earlier. They're still walking around trying to see what's going on. Are they still doing what we put them on trial to do? All of these things are happening around this church. So Paul is pleading with them please stay business minded. Please stay focused on this mission. The seeds that I threw, Paul called himself a master builder in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. He says, I lay a foundation as a master builder so that more can build upon it. He's, he's saying, you guys, I've laid it, but I'm not there. But keep building. Keep building because the kingdom is advancing. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul basically gives them the four things that are going to help them. To continue to establish the church, continue to advance the kingdom, continue to see lives change. And what are those things? Be quiet. Mind your business, work and witness. First thing, be quiet. He doesn't mean be quiet to not talk because if you don't talk, then they can't hear and the gospel has to be spoken. So he's saying, settle yourself down, live in peace. Has anybody ever been stuck and you wanted to be unstuck? but there were so many things around you that you couldn't really focus? Anybody been there? Maybe you're there right now. Paul is saying, just quiet. Shh. Kind of like when when God said, be still and know that I am God. In Psalms 46.10. Only God deserves the glory, so there's no need for us to be unsettled or disturbed anyway. There's nothing we can do. (laughs) Instead, we should surrender, seek, and trust God. Because he always wins at the end. Philippians 4, 6, Paul tells the church in Philippi, he says, says, Be anxious about, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray and give thanks. If we spend as much time that we do being anxious and worrying and complaining, sitting around the water cooler, gossiping, tweeting, Facebooking, blah, 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 as we did praying, seeking, loving, spending more time with the body of Christ, we would be so much better. But we love to get around and vent. Isn't it amazing? I only have 25 to 30 minutes today, but you'll let me go all day if we're talking about drama outside these doors. I mean, you wait for the third service, fourth service, fifth service. Man, it's, all it has to do is start with the word well. Hey, how you doing? Well, whoa, now we're into a whole nother zone went to a whole nother zone. Well, you know, dog died and Bill's due and, you know, and she hating on me and he, and now we're just going through this long, long sermon of problems. Oh, but Jerry, wrap it up though. I got, I got stuff to do today if we're in here in church. Why is that? Misery loves company, they say. (laughs) You know, it's like, those movies, you know, when there's a hostage situation in the movies, and you've got the bad guy, and he's holding up, he's holding up the 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 hostage that is an innocent bystander, and they're hold, they're being held up, but the good guy has got to shoot the bad guy. I know sometimes that's what good guys have to do. So if you got a problem with guns, I'm just telling you what it is. You'd rather your life be saved. Okay. So <laughs> the good guy, the good guy, is trying to shoot the bad guy, but the bad guy has has the innocent bystander by the neck. And what does the innocent bystander do? Help, help, help. He's moving too much. Stay still so I can shoot this guy. <laughs> listen. And what, what happens often? He and the hostage get shot. But just enough on the shoulder so that he'll lay still. Right? So you can get the bad guy. How many times has God had to do that in your life? I don't want to shoot you, but I got to shoot you right now just in the shoulder. So she's got to leave you because you wouldn't listen. I needed you to sit still, but you wouldn't. So be still and know that I'm God. (laughs) Then you're mad about the bullet wound. I still can't get over her. I just shot you just to get her out your life because you wouldn't listen to me. Oh, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So we need to be quiet. Be quiet. Still your soul, calm down. Internally, we need to rest. Why? Because when we rest, we get to hear better. When we rest, we're in the presence of the Lord. And all of the other things have to come second, third, fourth. Externally, the enemy cannot change our minds. He can only manipulate us by causing clutter around our minds to keep us busy with the wrong things and forsake our kingdom calling and our kingdom business. He doesn't have the ability to change your mind. He just can try to throw things at your mind for you to change. You know, that's why I read my Bible. My Bible's a paper Bible. And a lot of people call me old school. But you know why I use a paper Bible? Because it doesn't ring. And nobody can text it. And there's no social media feed. It's just me getting the one feed that I need, which is 66 books of good word. I started with the fat in the beginning, the iPad, the phone, all that stuff. That was great until this person called and then ESPN, now LeBron going to the Lakers. Okay, oh, man, now I got Now I'm flipping to LeBron. I was just in first Thessalonians. Now I'm in LeBron, Lakers. I'm trying to figure out. You've been there. How about when your phone rings and you're in the middle of that scripture and you're like, okay, I, I kind of need to answer this though. Well, that's why I leave my phone in another room and read my Bible because I don't want to be conflicted. A friend of mine told me recently, that this, this past week, she said that, that some of the most successful people in the world dress and eat simple. They have the same meal all week long. They do meal plans, meal prep. They wear the same clothes all the time. Mark Zuckerberg, I think, wears the same shirt, same jeans. Why do they do that? Because they keep from exerting valuable energy and brain function on what won't benefit them long term. They're business minded. And that's why we're using all their apps and giving them all our money. While they're doing that, we spent two hours this morning trying to figure out what we're going to wear to church today. Isn't that a shame? Secondly, Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, he says, mind your business. Mind your business. What does that mean to mind your business? It means to attend to what you, what God has put you over. So attend to what you steward. Because when you look at what everybody else is stewarding, then you neglect what you are stewarding, and then you miss out on that great thing that God has given you. So be mindful of your calling. My grandma, and my dad is here to attest to this, this is a true story, my grandma used to tell gossipers in her living room, baby, you need to find you some business. <laughs> Why? Because we live in a culture that suppresses and depresses the common man and woman in order for us only to be impressed and obsessed by the celebrity. Let me say that one more time. We live in a culture that suppresses and depresses the common man or woman like us in order for us to only be impressed and obsessed by the celebrity. Yet Paul was beaten, stoned, imprisoned, whipped, Yet he kept his mind on the gospel and God's call to him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says to Timothy, no soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. The focus has to be on pleasing God. The focus has to be on pleasing God. The second that we look away, it's like Peter walking on the water. We start to sink in the things of this world. But when we keep our eyes on the prize, we keep our eyes on Jesus, we start to please him. Why? Because he wants intimacy with us. And the more we relate with him, the more we get close to him, the more we know him, the more we know his word, the more we start looking like him. That's why it's called being Christ-like. I'm not a fan. I'm a son. See, we look at Jesus like a celebrity. But we don't know celebrities. We just know their names. We get to know a little here and there, but to really know him, to really know him is something special. And he's allowed us the privilege of doing so. Death by distraction, I call it. We can't afford to get distracted by the who or the what that we encounter daily. And that's why I believe that it is the tactic. That's what Paul is guarding Timothy from. It's the tactic of the enemy. Now, how can we live purpose-driven According to our calling, making an impact and advancing the kingdom of heaven all of our days when we only get 24 hours. And let me break down these hours for you. Eight of them were sleep. Four of them were eating something. The other four, if you live here, you're in traffic. (laughs) Your latter four, in in the late night, you're watching TV or Netflix. And the last four, you're gossiping or stalking people on, on social media. So where is the time to get intimate with God? Where is the time for you to walk boldly in your calling? Where is the time for you to start going upward with God so that you can be outward with man? You got to find it. I love this scripture right here. Proverbs 25, 17 says, let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house. We worried about our neighbors all the time. What they got? Ooh, they got something new. Oh, they're doing their roof. I'm going to do my roof too. Oh, they just got a pool? Okay, that's all right. I'm going to get mine too. (laughs) Worrying about our neighbors. How can I keep up with the Kardashians when I need to keep up with my bills, (laughs) my withdrawals and my deposits? How can I worry about love and hip-hop when I need to love my wife? I need to love my children. Oh, now I'm offending you. Okay. (laughs) Come on. I thought we were strong disciples up in here. How can I worry about LeBron and Michael Jordan? How can I worry about their stats and who's better, who's worse when I'm not doing my job? Isn't that crazy? I know all his stats. I know how many championships. Oh, okay. Hey, what's that new training thing that we learned at work? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I got to get back to you on that. If you're in sales. Hey, what's this new product you guys have? Well, hold on. Let me read this thing. Oh, okay, well, tell me about LeBron. Okay, so LeBron, okay, year nine. He, see how we change it up? Why do we do that? We're to mind our own business, to attend to the things that God has called us to have. So sad that this generation, as I call it, the dancing generation, this new generation, the young bucks today, they know every dance challenge. They can moonwalk. They can dance here, dance there. Drake's got a new dance out. Everybody doing that for the gram. They do all that stuff, but you throw some geometry in front of them and they can't do it. That's going to put together a solid essay. They try to dance their way out of that one. (laughs) So it happens when we worry about what else is going on. In John chapter 21, and this is biblical. I'm just speaking the truth, man. Don't, Don't shoot me. John chapter 21. Peter goes up to Jesus and says, well, what about John? What's he going to like? Is he going to die? Is he going to be crucified? What's going to, and Jesus said, what does that matter to you? That's what Jesus said. What's that matter to you? If he just lives forever until I come back, what's that got to do with you? In the same way, we need to stop worrying about what's going on around us and stay focused on what God has put in us. And a believer that truly knows their calling and walks out their purpose is a bad man or woman going to make great change. Third point, he says to work, work with your hands. Work is a blessing. Here's why. It's an active demonstration of what God has done inside of us. Our inner convictions are expressed best through our holy conduct. Meaning what's happening on the outside, how you're working on the outside is just a reflection of whatever's on the inside. So if you're taking plays off, you're taking days off, you're taking fake sick days, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, then I don't think he's fully sanctified something in you. Go back to work. Oh, it's just work. It's just a job. I'm really a believer. No, 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 Those work together. Because if you're truly a believer, you're going to practice Colossians 3.23 that says, do everything is unto God, not unto man. It's not about your boss anyway. It's not about your coworker anyway. Matter of fact, they didn't get your check. You got your check. And you got your check because of your work or lack thereof. That is why we should model after Christ and model after Paul, who became demonstrations, not dictators. Aren't you glad that Jesus came into this world and lived the life we should have lived? He modeled it for us. So whenever we say, God, this is hard. He said, I know. I lived it. I was tempted. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, then you go, okay, God, I get it. All right, let me just get back to my thing. Paul, he tells the the, uh, church in Thessalonica, I was there. I put my hands to the plow. I believe he was a tent maker during that time. Some people think that he just ministered all day and night. But I believe he was a tent maker because later he says that when it was time to eat the food, he had his own money to purchase food. Now, we know the church of Philippi was, was serving him and sending him money there. He says that in Philippians. But we also know that Paul was a working man. And he had a trade. And it was because of that, I believe, two reasons. First, I think that the more that he worked, he got to show them what was to come. When he leaves, they were going to have to continue to work so that they can build this church up. And then another thing is, he said, hey, I don't want to be a burden to you all. I don't want you guys to think that I'm just a pastor or just a preacher so that I can get all your money. I want to work my job just like you and preach so that I can minister to you on how to live, how to work, and how to love. He was affectionately desirous for them. He loved them so much. He worked, he gave everything to them. He labored and toiled night and day. You know, work is an expression of love. We see this everywhere. Even in churches, people are worried about what someone else is doing or how much they're making. But you know a great way to witness is to work hard. Why? Because when you do your job really well, People will start to come to you and say, hey, how do you do that? Isn't that what we do with celebrities? Isn't that what we do with whoever's winning the, the sales award at work? Man, how'd you do it? What'd you do? What'd you do differently? That's a witness. As soon as they come to you, then you share with them the hope that is within you. Let me tell you what I do. I wake up at 5 in the morning, and when I get, my, my, I get in my word, and then I, I do that, and then I get into, the, get into traffic, and while I'm in traffic, I'm just singing spiritual hymns. That's what, that's what helps me before I get into the workplace. That's why I'm at peace. And then from that peace, then I can, I can work really well. And, so, and then not to mention that, I do everything as unto God, not unto, unto man. So every day I'm worshiping while I'm working. That's how I do it. Can you imagine if you had that testimony? Now, you can't have that testimony if you're not really doing it. <laughs> but it's our opportunity to witness. And lastly, he says, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. The gospel is to be evident by our lifestyle. God wants us to live right and work well. When we work with excellence and display honesty, integrity, and love in the process, that's when the kingdom is advanced through our hands. The kingdom can be advanced through your hands. He said, I want you to behave properly towards outsiders. I believe that he was saying that there's a lot of people who are trying to oppress you and persecute you. And persecution was happening at the same time as his letter. But he said, don't give them an opportunity. Love them. Even your oppressor, translated to us, love your boss, love your neighbor, love the people that bother you the most, minister to them by your life. And why not be phenomenal while you do it? One thing I, I, I just I say this all the time, but I really think I am. I need to get checked out. I'm allergic to average. I'm allergic. I'm not saying that I'm a perfectionist, but when I start doing average, I feel like I'm sick. I don't know if anybody else is like that. Where <laughs> you're man, I just why am I not excelling right now? We need to be the people. If anybody should be great, the best doctor should be in this room. The best nurse should be in this room. The best lawyer should be in this room. The best teacher should be in this room. The best parent should be in this room. We are to be excellent. Once again, going back, doing everything is under God. Why not ball out? Translation, why not do a really good job? (laughs) That's why we're a multi-generational church. God gave us the opportunity and the ability to do great exploits. And so when you go to work tomorrow, I want you to thank God for the opportunity. I want you to thank God for the ability. And you don't do it just because of the job. You do it because you believe that you are going to witness to somebody, whether the opportunity comes tomorrow to speak it or to show it through your work ethic. But this is how we advance the kingdom, not just being people who write a bunch of nice things on Facebook or, who, or people who come into a holy huddle and are super holy in here and not holy out there. We need to be people who are about the kingdom and everything that we do, every, every moment that we breathe, we're breathing out our calling, which is the purpose of God advancing his kingdom on the earth. Remember that everyone is watching, everyone. Believers, nonbelievers, children, adults, neighbors, friends, enemies, everyone is watching. And so live right, work hard, and watch the gospel move in a mighty way. Let's pray.